0: Welcome to the Ink to Film Podcast, where we read the book,
1: and then see the movie. I'm the writer, and I'm the filmmaker.
0: And this week, we discuss the first half of Jeff Vandermeer's 2014 weird sci-fi novel, Annihilation. Where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner, I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead to share with the world. I'm uh, excited to hear what you think of this novel. It is our first weird uh literary experience. I think we've really gotten into it, and I mean the weird genre. Uh what do you what do you think of this novel just in general?
1: So far. I mean, I think it's pretty weird. Um <laughs> I mean, I do like it. Uh I wasn't expecting it to be as um I mean as weird as it actually is because I was expecting more of like this sci-fi adventure and it's kind of just like really leans into d- specific details of weirdness and like okay exploration of them interesting yeah i am um, i was I'm, I'm this is one of the few
0: novels where so far that we've read where i've really not known what you're going to think of it like i really i'm really curious to hear what your take on it is because a lot of my take is very bound up in my history with with writing and with reading, and the kind of things I like. And you, I don't know, like there's certain things about it that is very wound up in me in me liking this novel so far. Um, but I know that that's not something everybody shares. And you can qu- you can look at this novel on Goodreads and see that it is it is pretty polarizing and how people respond to it. Um, and, and if you read it, you can see why. Like it is it is written in a really I, I don't know, erudite uh you know esoteric kind of way that can lose a lot of readers i think and uh it's it's got a real literary flair to it which is something i studied in my undergrad and and i grew to love literary stuff um but a lot of people a lot of genre readers especially you know react don't react well to like really overly literary writing um but what's also really interesting about it is this novel is written in kind of an uh, epistolary form, which means it's like we're essentially reading something written by a character. Um, so there's a level of separation there. And because of that, you, you, there's a lot of really interesting things that he can do because we're essentially reading um, the biologist's journal, right? Right. Yeah. So he, it, I don't know. There's a lot of like layers to this and, and we're, I definitely am excited to like talk about them more at length. Um, But I guess we should go ahead and talk about this podcast for anybody who might be checking in for the first time.
1: Yeah, what we try to do on this podcast is we cover source material, usually a book, and then we uh, move on to the film adaptation. And in this case, we're doing Annihilation. And we're seeing the Natalie Portman, Alex Garland directed Annihilation in theaters very soon
0: yeah i'm really i'm already super hyped and it's only going to grow like i can already feel that i'm going to be super hyped for this movie but uh yeah we um we try and provide um kind of a creator point of view because i'm a writer and, and james is a filmmaker as we introduced ourselves at the beginning which by the way is a reference to the book if you haven't read it um in the book all the characters just refer to themselves by their titles nobody has names
1: um so that was that's what that was <laughs> Yeah, I actually like that, too. I think it's, I don't know, it's really unique, at least in, as far as, like, sci-fi creature stuff. Like, I feel like it's its just, like, a unique thing to do.
0: There's a lot of really interesting things he's doing to unsettle us, to make things less familiar. Like, there's a lot of things that we would grab onto normally in a story. Um, and character names are just a minor thing there, but there's just so much that's being done to, like, keep us uncomfortable. And I think that discomfort might be off-putting to some readers, but it's something I find really cool because I can see that I'm being manipulated by the writer and I appreciate, I guess, what goes into that.
1: I'm sure this is the, what the writer wanted me to feel, but I found obviously that it, it it's really dehumanizing to have them just be their titles like that. Like you're not attached to a character specifically almost I mean we'll get into this but specifically I was like I was really dismissive of uh, the psychologist like fairly early on I was like oh that's a you know that's a bad guy because of the things that she was doing and and we'll get into it <laughs>
0: yeah I should say that um, we're gonna keep this intro spoiler free as much as possible um, just gonna talk mostly general reactions I- I'm gonna do a little I'm gonna talk a little bit about Jeff Vandermeer that'll be the the first thing I do. Um, but we'll let you know before we dive into like spoiler territory so that you can, if you want, you can check out if you don't want to get spoiled.
1: So tell me about Jeff Vandermeer.
0: Yeah, this is just stuff I've found on the internet. You know, it's not like I know him or anything. Um, I do know that he is, uh, he's a writer who's, who's well regarded. He's, he's won uh, a bunch of awards. Um, he he actually attended the university of Florida for three years. Represent. Yeah, and he lives in Tallahassee now, and this, uh, I read that this book is based off of a national wildlife refuge called St. Mark's that um, is in, like, it's really near Tallahassee if you look on the map, actually. It's, like, kind of on the Gulf, and all the way down to it has, like, a big old light tower in it, and um, he, he said that he went and he was, like, walking through it when he, like, came up with the idea for this
1: novel which I think is pretty cool. That's awesome. It's cool. Yeah.
0: And as, as so I am, a, uh, I am a transplant to Portland, Oregon, but I grew up uh, in, in Florida and that's where James still lives. And I don't know about you, but the descriptions of the wetlands and the like the environment of Florida is really striking to me. And it was really evocative and like bringing me back to some of the more beautiful and bizarre kind of things you can find in Florida. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I found it I thought it was cool because it they talk about how just the different types of terrain that are fairly close by. So it's like there's there'll be like a swampy area and then like a more foresty area and like that, that kind of thing is very very much kind of Florida.
0: Yeah, and he does a really good job of tying in his descriptions of the environment with everything else that's going on, because we know that this the premise is that there's this area called area X that has been that some sort of event, a mysterious event we don't know much about has happened there. And everything inside that area is weird and like unknown and mysterious. And, and, and these, um, our main character goes in as a part of an expedition. And, uh, as he's describing how things look, he also is infused with the, um, observations of this main character and through her eyes, we can see that she's being affected. I, I think being affected mentally by what's like this area. Yeah. And it's really cool how that comes out in his prose. I think it's, it's really interesting.
1: Yeah, there's uh, I can't wait to jump into so much of this because like I just want to talk about her, the character, the main character and just yeah. so much. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, with Jeff
0: Vandermeer, I, I mean, he's, he's written a bunch of novels. He, he he got really well known for this trilogy. This is his, like, break into the mainstream. Um, he writes a lot of weird literature, weird fantasy. Um, he, he also writes some books for writers that I've read. Um, one of them, I think, is called Writing Life or A Writer's Life that um talks about like how to balance your creative life with your day-to-day life and like family life and stuff like that and it's a very practical guide to living as a writer and a creator and i and i have read that and that was really really cool and then i know he's really well known for a book called the wonder book which i don't have but i am very curious about so um you know in addition to his novels and stuff he also writes stuff for writers which i think is pretty cool
1: it's cool it's cool that he can be successful doing both, being more practical as well as, as diving into this just cool sci-fi stuff. Is he primarily a sci-fi writer? I mean he, uh let me let's pull up his let's pull up his list here.
0: Yeah, so he uh he's written a bunch of novels. Uh we he uh and collections of short stories, uh so novels like Venus Underground, Shriek and Afterword, Predator, South China Sea, Finch but like I said, none of these had really broken through to the mainstream until he wrote, he wrote his uh, Southern Reach trilogy, which begins with Annihilation and then goes to Authority and then to Acceptance. It's interesting is all three of those novels were
1: pu- published the same year. Oh, wow. That's a lot of content.
0: Yeah, all in 2014. That's wild. And yeah, he's won a lot of awards, multiple world fantasy awards. Uh, he won a, a Nebula. He's won a Locus, a Hugo, the Shirley Jackson Award for this novel really just a highly decorated, especially for this particular book, um, Bram Stoker award, Philip K. Dick award. All, I mean, telling you, all kinds of awards. Wow. So I think that's enough. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's a really interesting guy. I'd love to meet him. I hope I do one day. Um, this book is fascinating to me. I'm, I'm, you know, I haven't finished it yet, so I can't really say for sure how I'm going to feel about the novel as a whole. Um, but right now like he's, it's got its hooks in me. And uh, I should also say that I got a physical copy of this book. I often do audiobooks, which I'm a proponent of audiobooks. Um, We often, you know, have an Audible ad. Um, Some people aren't, you know, but I I like them. But for this book, I'm really glad I got the physical copy because I found myself rereading a lot of passages because there's a lot of like, there's a lot of meat on them bones, you know? And mm-hmm.
1: you can easily miss things if you just if I was just listening to a narrator, it'd be really hard. I didn't get a physical copy, but I did get an ebook and and read it on my own mm-hmm. this time around. And I I mean, I just want to say I really like the cover. Like, I really think it's cool how he is like the, the, the for I looked at all three novels covers and I think it's cool that they're they're pretty much in the same vein and it's so, so interesting looking. I agree. I think it's, I mean, it's
0: a, it's a striking cover. It doesn't, I've seen some um, other novels kind of copy this because I think you see that a lot, like kind of copycat styles. But I believe this is the first to really do this thing. You know, it's got the three letters in in multiple lines. It's got this really striking um, off-white color with like a really bright green kind of vine thing. I don't know. It looks really cool. I, I agree. I really like it. OK, uh, I guess let's move on to our general thoughts about the part. We I, I should um, I don't know if we've said this yet, but we read part one, two and three of a five part novel. So we're actually a little over halfway if you wanted to follow along. I guess first off, like who do you do? You, should people read this book from from this bit you've read and and who would you recommend read it? And maybe who would you say? Maybe not.
1: Well, i mean would you recommend it for everybody i i honestly probably would recommend it for everybody just in broad sense but more specifically like if you're interested in sci-fi in any way like this is just it's like it's very fun interesting and the word that i that i'm going to use a thousand times in this episode i'm sure is just like exploration it's like very specifically like it's in this its own vein of like it kind of reminds me of like a space adventure where they're like venturing out into the unknown or, or like deep sea where they're like deep underwater and 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 i just feel like the exploration of this is such a strong facet because there's tons of stuff that's like normal at first and as we get deeper and further along and we get to know i mean there's i think all of these things correlate so i'll just say this now but as we get to know the main character the biologist more we also get kind of further into the weird we we see more creatures we hear about more things going on it also as we explore we we see like very specific details about this world that i just think are really interesting
0: yeah i, I mean i agree with that i and i just want to add to that i think that the exploration is a a creepy one it's an exploration into something unknown yet ominous yet you know, kind of uh, terrifying, kind of, you know, there's a lot of, t- you know, insanity, I think plays a big role in this in this book. And the reason I point that out is just because I, that's something I didn't realize about this novel. I, I think the trailers prepared me for it. But if I had just picked this novel up cold, I maybe wouldn't have realized how creepy it is. And I, so I guess that's my thing. So if I'm going to suggest it to someone, I don't want them to think when I say fun space exploration, you know what I mean? Like, that sounds like a different kind of novel than this. This is more like, uh, was it The Abyss or, or Alien? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's an exploration novel with an undercur- undercurrent of, like, something ominous and bad is going on.
1: Yeah. It's got, like, this really... It's, it's really tense a lot of the yeah. time. Like, it's very much like... It's like exploration, but it'll be, like, exploring something specific where you're like, oh, my God, something's going to happen right now.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess I want to... Um, just underline that for people who are trying, maybe trying to decide if they want to read it. I am someone who has read a you know a, a good amount of horror and has seen a lot of horror movies for sure, and I consider myself not easily scared. And this, but this novel isn't a jump out monster, you know, gross you out with gore that kind of novel. This is very atmospheric. This is very like you said, like tench, tension builds. Um, it's creepy. And that is very hard to do. And I found myself getting like actual chills reading some of it because of how creepy it got. And I think that's really cool. Like, so if that sounds like your bag, then I highly suggest you read this novel. Um, But if you're like the kind of person who can't do that, like knows that you're not going to enjoy that, then maybe not, you know? Yeah, good point. All right, I think I'm ready to move on to our spoiler section. How about you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so for those of you who this might be your first time listening, uh, we kind of go through it scene by scene, Um, you know, maybe not every little scene, but big scenes. We go through it chronologically and we talk about we talk about it at length. So we're going to start doing that now. If you've read it, you know, you can follow along. If you're just curious about it, this is a good way to find out, like, what kind of things go on in the novel. Like maybe you went and saw the movie, uh, (laughs) you know, in the future and you've come back to read, you know, for this now. This is what you're going to get. So,
1: yeah, welcome. Welcome to the past. How's the future?
0: (laughs) Is it getting (laughs) better out there? (laughs) Um, All right. So, the first section is called Initiation. And we meet our main character, who is a biologist, the biologist. And she is in a group with people who are described only by their titles the anthropologist, the surveyor, and the psychologist. And they're all entering a place known as Area X. They're all women. and the psychologist is the leader. Um, we've learned, we learned that they've gone through some sort of training to be here and uh, with through the government. But they do seem to be civilians um, with maybe some military background for some of them. But they' it's basically like a s- civilian expedition that's come into this area. Area X is a is a section of Florida that has been kind of quarantined off and has some sort of barrier. That's mysterious, and has been, you know, abandoned. And we we hear that there has been eleven previous expeditions, and they are expedition number twelve. And they are on their way to base camp. And on their way there, we uh, hear about some of these previous expeditions. Uh, We 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 find out that the previous expedition uh, showed up at at their homes with no explanation for how they got how they got out of there. Um, there's lots of weird things that are described going on here, and I don't know how to really describe it all, but I, I'm, I'm going to have to drop some details that come out later. The first thing that happens is that, oh, oh so there's, here's a line that gets dropped that I just want to read verbatim that I thought was cool because it, it to me, it's, it felt very thematic. Our our main character is basically writing a journal and of her observations, and that's what we're reading. And she says, when you see beauty and desolation, it changes something inside you. Desolation tries to colonize you. And I think this is a very telling thing. There's a lot of this place is very invasive. And their their presence in it, they're not just like able to just walk among it and just look at things. They're constantly under attack from it, it feels like to me. like It's always fucking with their minds. It's always... Uh, affecting their mood and, and, and everything, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. The, I mean, I don't want to get too spoilery, but for, for... Hey, we're in the spoiler though, section. Yeah, we're okay. in spoiler. So, I mean, as, as we go on, we kind of get this. It, it's just interesting because there's like multiple things manipulating people, whether it's um, like persuasion or hypnosis or whatever this is. And, and then there's also kind of the, the world that they're in here, like this little area X section and it seems like it's it's just too far ahead basically the the hypnosis is brought up and yeah and it at first i was like this doesn't really have a place here and then as i see how the place affects each individual character i can see how being able to hypnotize the rest of your crew could potentially help out because our narrator is so like She's so clinical and like like it, she almost seems unreliable at first. And like as we get to know her better, we we bond more with her character. But at first it's like, like you don't really know what to make of her. And you're like maybe these people do need to be in hypnosis at some points because they're training or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the hypnosis I believe gets introduced in a very like benign way. It's introduced as something that helped them get past the barrier. That apparently passing through the barrier is like a really harrowing thing and you know, like people struggle to do it. So they agreed to get hypnotized in order to go through it. And the psychologist is kind of in charge of this hyp- hypnosis and kind of bringing them back. Um, what, what's cool about the hypnosis and why I think it really works is a big part of this novel is the unreliability of our perceptions and of our minds in general. And it reminds me of a video I actually shared... I think, on our Twitter account because uh, it's ba- it's the guy who makes it, uh, Vsauce 3. Um, I've mentioned Vsauce in a different video, but this is a Vsauce 3. Um, but he did this video and it's called, um, I think it's like, Could You Be a Parasite or Are You a Parasite? And the reason I, th- I immediately think of this is in that video, he describes a lot of different organisms and funguses and... Um, viruses and parasites that control the minds of the hosts to make them do certain things like make them um, grow up to the top of things so that they can like spread their spores and all kinds of stuff like it's 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 pretty gross but if you're you know if you have a strong enough stomach to watch it um, it's really cool because he extrapolates it out to say if you were infected by an organism like this you wouldn't know is the thing. You would feel compelled to do things because that's how this parasite works, but you wouldn't realize that the source of the compulsion and that kind of stuff is, I think, exactly what's going on here, you know? And I think if you, if you look at hypnosis as a way of suggestion and mind control itself, I think it all kind of overlaps in, in how we, we want to think of our minds as being these like, impenetrable fortresses where you know our you know who we are is so clearly defined but really they're not and there's a lot of things that can affect your mind and and change the way you think um and and perceive
1: yeah and i mean this that this novel definitely deals with that in multiple ways like you're saying the hypnosis and and i mean later on there's there's some sort of biological thing that happens to our narrator and we'll get to that
0: yeah let's get to it i mean that's that's about to happen so so they arrive at something and this is where this is where i totally agree that she feels a little bit unreliable because she she we she they find this thing it's like a hole in the ground but it's some sort of structure and she keeps calling it a tower and then she even says like it's not a tower it 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 just goes into the ground (laughs) yeah and but she says it to the other people like oh look at this tower and they're like tunnel like what do you mean like they none of them know what she's talking about but she consistently like feels like they're wrong and she's right it's a tower and she can't stop thinking of it that way and to me yeah that was like okay she's a little bit nuts already right
1: but and we also get her saying like we get her thoughts about the situation where she's saying it and she's seeing that like the rest of her the crew is like thinking that she's crazy so she kind of backs off it a little bit. But she still only what she still like corrects people when they call it the tunnel, like in her mind and stuff. And like, yeah, it's just like so how what did you make of that? I mean, I know we learn more about it as as we go on. But like, what did you make of that when when we were in this chapter, when it was first happening? I was like, what is going on with this tower thing?
0: Yeah, at first I thought it was a clear sign that she was going insane. And this was like it had already started and she was starting to really lose it that my perception of her changed as i read more that could still be happening but maybe i'm growing like maybe i'm slowly becoming insane with her i don't know exactly. but um yeah. it's what's really cool about it but yeah early on i immediately go okay this is an unreliable narrator like i see what what's going on here with this story um but i also love that like we're so married to her perspective because this is like her notes also, she she refers to you, the reader, several times. She says, you might think this, and you might think that. And I thought that was a really cool way, um, and not like a parlor trick sort of way, but like a way that made sense for this story to like draw you, draw me into it
1: in in a, in a cool way. It's not like a fourth wall break where it's like, oh, look how meta we're being. It's like, we're right. reading a journal. So it's like, it just, yep. it kind of just makes sense for the fact that like, if somebody... Like she's keeping these scientific notes for or ju- this journal, at least for people to find eventually or read it when she gets back. And so it's, right, just, right. it's cool. It makes sense. Yeah. So they arrive at this tower and they, they decide
0: to go down into it. They, it's a tower of unknown origin. And they've, they've like memorized this map of the area of Area X and this tower. I'm going to call it tower because that's what she calls it. <laughs> um, it is a tower. I mean, what are you talking about? It's a tower. Ta- it's a tower. <laughs> it, you mean tower? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not on the map that they have studied and but it's weird because it's so obvious to like how everyone who's been here must have seen this thing why is there no record of it in all these other records because a lot of the records from the other expeditions have come have like been recovered but we do hear that like some i mean more comes out as we go but like there was an expedition where they all killed each other there was an expedition where they all committed suicide there was the very first expedition came out and reported that like nothing was
1: off and that it all seemed fine mm-hmm. the first one is very interesting because it's like did things evolve to this state in like some sort of accelerated way and like a kind of I yeah, don't know. it
0: seems like maybe things have been getting worse or like more more pronounced or something yeah i yeah. don't know evolving you know growing there's a lot of that so it exactly. would make sense
1: oh I, f- I feel like we should mention that um the one of the last expedition that happened she she talks about um her husband was on it And like one of her motivations for coming into this area. It doesn't come, it doesn't
0: come out till later, but yeah, I think it's fine to to mention it here. I mean, it's prominent in the trailer uh, for the movie. So, um, but yeah, we later learned that her husband was a part of this last expedition, expedition 11,
1: the ones that showed up mysteriously in
0: back in their homes. Yeah. He just returned home out of the blue and then, um, didn't really have any memory of how he got out of area X and got home. Um, that that's like a full-on scene later that we get that's pretty cool but for now um i should also say that they all have kind of like old dated gear um they have a few guns um only one of them has a has like an assault rifle otherwise they have some handguns i mean it's interesting because it's not really like said what the threat is but we get an implication that there is a threat and maybe they don't know it but like it's interesting that they have guns in general right like
1: there's yeah. some sort of threat implied by that. Well, and speaking of the gear, it's very specifically stated that like all of it's like older and they don't have any new yeah. tech. They don't have any um, like specific gadgetry other than one specific thing that they yeah, have.
0: They don't have any phones um, or radios. Yeah, they just have, um they have this one little black little black device that's like on their belts. And what it's supposed to do is light up when they're in like a dangerous situation or something. And then that's supposed to be their cue to like try and get extracted. And it's, they don't know how it works, but it supposedly is like, you know what I mean? Detecting things. Yeah.
1: They don't know how it works and they don't know what the extraction point is or how they would even know to extract them.
0: Yeah. And I immediately like, I immediately was like, this is this, this light thing is, is, is a, it's a, it's a trick. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's a false sense of security that was given to them. Right. Yeah.
1: Like a, um, like a
0: placebo. Exactly. That's what I think. It, it doesn't do anything. But like I, I really, I, I, it might turn on at some point, I but I, say, I, I just, yeah. it, it feels to me like it doesn't do anything. Now I could
1: be wrong for it being there. Um, there's like a certain amount of significance to it because it's like, it wouldn't be, I, I like, even if it is this moment where it's like, Oh, we're in such mortal danger. We need to be extracted and it doesn't light up, then that would be, that would be rough. But like having it kind of be obvious that it's a placebo and then having it actually light up or do something at some point, I think would be even yeah. more surprising.
0: Yeah. I think it will probably turn on cause it probably does react, but like it's could still be a placebo in the way that like, what is it going to do? You know what I mean? Like they're, they're miles away from help right. and you know what I mean? In hours and days. And like, if there's an immediate threat, and this light goes on, like, it's not going to help you. Yeah. So
1: in that sense, it is still a placebo. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm sure it has something to do with, like, tracking them or, like, a, some sort of black box or something for, like, if they die and they find I don't know. That's that's yet to be determined, I guess,
0: in the, in the second half here. But so that's their gear. And they decide that they're going to go down into these, into this tower. And she, our main character, says she feels like they're at the top of it. And she actually feels like a sense of vertigo for like how high up they are. It's all, it's all weird. Like it's all like kind of mind bending perspective stuff. Um, and they entered, they enter this. Oh, before, before they go down, um, I guess I should mention this cause I don't know if it might be really important in the second half. Um, there's a big wild boar and it's described as being like really big, bigger than normal. And it charges at them, but then kind of gets distracted and wanders off
1: it's probably the black boxes right
0: <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. um, and apparently it looked like really weird and kind of like it was in pain yeah so there's that i don't know how important that might be for later but the, you know all the wildlife does it's like we get an implication that the wildlife is being affected by this area too and so su- in weird ways right mm-hmm. i see the word i'm gonna say the weird word weird a lot in this
1: podcast. i'm gonna say the words <laughs> weird and exploration like 50 times each <laughs>
0: Yeah. All right, so let's get to the exploration. Um the weird exploration. They they head down into this tower and so all but the psychologist head down. She she stays up at the top to kind of guard and sends down the other three. Um when they get down in there, they find these cursive letters um and and words written on the wall in this script that is just like painting up and down kind of on the left side of the wall very specifically on the left and it's this continuous unbroken stream of words and they 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 read them and uh that's what we read at the very beginning and they don't really make much sense and very and it's also like one sentence like it never terminates with a period it's just an ongoing run-on sentence and they get an implication that this goes down into the next level and goes further down and further down. She inspects the letters and finds out that it is actually some sort of, like, biomass. Um, some sort of, like, moss-type stuff or some sort of fungi that's growing in the form of these words. And it's got this, like, phosphorescence. And as she's inspecting it, she even, like, scolds herself for being kind of a rookie move. She, like, leans forward and then her presence makes um, it shoot spores. And she feels herself breathe in some of the spores.
1: Um, And we're just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like, I'm like, okay. So, I kind of see where we're going. Because she's already, like, acting a little crazy because of the the area. And then, you know, somebody gets affected by something like this. And then they either, what, she's either going to, like, become one with it or, like, have a bad reaction to it or get some sort or of powers al-
0: or an alien burst out of their chest.
1: Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. But, um, so she
0: doesn't tell anyone that she is infected or like whatever that, that has happened. Um, she keeps it a secret and instead she says like, you know, we should, we
1: shouldn't get too close to this. <laughs> you know, it could be dangerous. Well, yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody saw it sprayer. Nobody saw it shoot the spores at her. So, so she can kind of like be like, oh yeah, let's get out of here. Cause the spores are probably dangerous yeah and they 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 say decide to go back up
0: um they've only come down like to the first level and seen this text and 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 but they want to get to base camp tonight um so they decide to kind of go back up but um she the whole time we get this feeling that like she's really fascinated by this place and like really interested in it and and part of her like wants to just walk down and keep going down further and further, but she has to like pull away. And so they, yeah, they, they leave, uh, reconvene and head back up to base camp. Um, when they're at base camp, they all kind of get drunk, have their first, um, first night in area X and they feel like they're kind of bonding a little bit. And then we hear this weird thing. I, I wanted to, I don't know what this is, but I want to hear what you think it is. There's this thing called that they call like a howl that happens apparently every night that it's like at sunset, it, it it howls. And actually, I don't even know if this is their first night. They might have been here a night or two before this. I don't know. It's kind of unclear um, because it seems like they have, they are aware of this howl thing. But anyway, because they're drunk, they like howl back at it, mimicking the sound. And then it apparently it amplifies um, and sounds like it's getting angry. And so then they stop because they're like, oh, shit, we didn't know it was like going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> um,
1: super scary. That's like, oh, fuck, we super. I mean, that's a super like teenagers in a horror movie thing to do but it was wild i was like okay yeah. so you're just gonna piss off monsters now
0: yeah and, and what i like about this and why i say creepy a lot is like it's a lot of just like on the edges a lot of just like things unseen and unknown and because he keeps everything shrouded in mystery so well it can be creepy it's the opposite of what rawhead rex we talked about right mm-hmm. like when we saw that terrible movie you know they showed the monster in the first like two minutes of the movie boom there he is full broad daylight you can see his entire really terrible looking suit Mm. you know this is the polar opposite of that everything is just suggested and and hinted at and, and mysterious and because of that you
1: can really build this tension and dread right yeah i mean fear yeah it's the i think it's just always the fear of the unknown is is so much scarier than what you can put on page or screen so i think lean into that for as long as you can
0: Yeah, nothing is... I mean, this is something that's famous. I'm not making this up. But nothing is as frightening as your imagination. Like, it will not. no thing you can show an audience is ever going to be as terrifying as the unknown. I think it's like a Hitchcock... I think it might have been a Hitchcock thing. Um, The unknown is always the most terrifying thing. And that's absolutely what Vandermeer's playing with here. Um, So I should also say that during this time the psychologist says a phrase that activates, like, a hypnotic suggestion mode where all of the other party members kind of get slack-jawed in this, like, weird state where they become very suggestive, and our main character realizes this is happening and pretends. But we find that, for some reason, she's immune to the suggestion now. And um, the the psychologist suggests that they all are going to go back to the tunnel tomorrow. They're going to remain calm and they're going to continue to see the tunnel as being made out of coquina and stone. And then, and then, um, they're going to remain calm and be satisfied and like all this stuff. And then, uh, then she snaps her fingers and they all kind of snap out of it. And, um, like she's programmed them i guess to go back and i think it's very ominous you know what i mean like you're going to continue to see it as this thing that like we're like wait a minute what why why are you going to continue to see it that's how i thought it was so now we know that it's Um, like
1: what is this thing like this weird place that's not a tunnel or a tower or whatever i don't know
0: well and it also introduces the idea that the psychologist knows a lot more
1: than she's letting on yeah right definitely and i mean i think i think in this scene she she kind of um the biologist kind of says to herself that um she already assumes that it was ba- because of the spores that she's like is getting some sort of abilities yep. from she's it she's like
0: maybe the spores has given me some sort of immunity to it yeah all right so that's the end of part 1 and before we get to part 2 i want to take a second to stop and talk to you about audible we already mentioned it earlier but uh, yeah, that's a great service, and they were nice enough to give us an affiliate link, uh, audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film.
1: Yeah, it's a great service. Uh, with that Audible link, you get 30 free days for their service and one free audiobook in their huge collection.
0: Yeah, I mean, audiobooks, I I, I already said earlier that I use them a ton, and, and I think the thing that I love about them is how much that you can uh, multitask. Uh, I've talked about this before, but... I mean, it's great. It's great. You can use them while you're driving, while you're walking, you know, walking the dogs, doing laundry, whatever it might be. Um, if you like podcasts, you're probably going to like audiobooks. And it's a good way to learn things and make sure, you know, you're keeping your mind from going insane. <laughs> um, or maybe you want to go insane. Uh, and speaking of that, my suggestion is going to be H.P. Lovecraft. Yes, you know him. <laughs> um, but I bet you probably, you know, some of you probably haven't read him. Um, I, I am sorely lacking in my knowledge of uh, Lovecraft. I really want to read more of his stuff. Um, The reason I bring it up is he's, he's well known as being kind of this weird fiction master. And when I looked on Audible, there is a ton of Lovecraft on here. There's the complete omnibus volume one, two, three, you know, there's a Necronomicon. um, And and, uh, one I've definitely heard of called At the Mountains of Madness. Um, there's all these all kinds of Lovecraft stuff on here. So if you're a fan of Lovecraft, um, I think listening to an audio book would be a good way to experience it. And you can do that by using
1: our link. The link again is audibletrial.com forward slash ink2film. All right, let's get back into it. Part two, integration. So, I mean, I did want to say something about these these titles real quick. Is I, I feel like for me and maybe this is him messing with me because I don't know how the story ultimately ends, but I feel like these chapter titles are like pretty telling, like almost like spoilery of like kind of the things that are going on with our main character.
0: Interesting. I guess I didn't really think of it that way, but I can see that, I guess initiation. Honestly, I, I didn't think about that at all. That's like a chapter one title for like, you make that a title of a lot of different chapter ones, right? Yeah. Um, it's really the second one where I kind of was like, oh, interesting. You know, this is called integration. That sounds ominous. You know what I mean? Like, that sounds like they're being, I don't know, fused with something or like integrated, you know? Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's interesting. It definitely gets me thinking and making me feel like maybe I know where things are going. But like I said, I'm so uncomfortable by design that I really don't know. And and I and I continue to be surprised by what's, what actually happens. Yeah um so yeah they when you wake up in the morning here's another big surprise wake up in the morning and the anthropologist is missing <laughs> somewhere in the night she disappeared and um the psychologist is like favoring her side and it looks like maybe she was wounded and uh when they ask her like what happened the psychologist says the anthropologist just decided to head back she was too unnerved by everything they've seen and and she left without telling anyone else apparently
1: and left her gear
0: yeah and, and, yeah, and, like, left her gear and all kinds of suspicious stuff, right? Um, the main character, like, is immediately super skeptical of it. And uh, the psychologist uh, does another suggestion where she tries to do this, like, mental suggestion. And, um, you know, it, she's very being very manipulative and trying to be like, everything's okay. And um, the surveyor, which is the other character now, so it's the surveyor and the, bi- and the biologist... They kind of share a look with each other, like, this is fucking weird, but okay, we're gonna go with it. And, um, the psychologist, when she does the suggestion, it's when they get back to the tower, and she suggests that it's okay for her to remain up top and stand guard, and they are gonna go down, as you know, and see what's going on in this tower. It works on the surveyor. Like, the surveyor is like, okay, that makes sense. But the main character has to, like, pretend that it's fine, you know? Pretend that she's getting hypnotized. But yeah, they go down in it, so this fucking tower is weird as shit um it's uh it's a it, first off it's a tower that's not a tower it's actually a hole and they kind of descend into it and it's got multiple layers and it's, it seems to just be kind of like a chamber of some sort and then some stairs that go down to another chamber on top of each other seems like maybe it turns around you must turn around probably but it's like a bunch of just layers of the same thing right descending down an unknown amount of distance and as they walk, they find these these letters just continue and, you know, just keep going, keep going, keep going, these words. And she finds now that she has this, like, new level of perception. And she no longer sees the walls as being stone. She seems them as being somehow biological. And she hears this beating, like a beating heart and she realizes that these perceptions are things that the surveyor is not getting at all and she even tries to get the it's like she grabs the surveyor's hand and puts it against the wall and it's like you know do you feel that and the surveyor doesn't feel anything and thinks thinks that she's insane and it's funny because she thinks she's insane and we go yeah you know she would think you're insane and then we i kind of go wait a minute maybe she is insane. you know what i mean like (laughs) it wasn't for the psychologist stuff like
1: she would seem completely insane right now yeah she yeah i just feel like she's getting like these powers or something or or uh, an affinity for the the life or the wildlife in area x because it seems like she started to see things
0: well if you take that term integration right like she's she's kind of becoming one with it and so maybe in that sense she is able to understand it and perceive it more clearly Um, And that's when I say when when, when my perception of her changes over time, I start to think that she is actually perceiving more of the true or the truth that's going on here. And it just it's like crazy shit. But she but, but I believe her when she's seeing things, I guess. Yeah,
1: I think this happens like fairly close by, but. There's like this blur. The the line is blurred between like her affinity towards this wildlife, because we get this backstory about her when she was younger, and she like her family's pool got overrun with algae and wildlife, and it became an ecosystem fairly quickly. And she just Mm -hmm. like thought about how she would go out there and visit and check out the all the life going on and that kind of thing. So it's obviously like she's a biologist and she cares about this kind of stuff. And it's like it was like such a small gap. For her to just, like, bridge to being, like, I love this stuff and this is my life. To being, like, I want to... It seems like she's, like, leaning into something that she's always loved anyway.
0: Yeah, and and when I said that her observations are really esoteric, that's that's what I mean. It's very couched in this scientific language. And we get an, an idea that she she's an expert. So when she says, I'm looking at this fungus and it's not normal. Like, something about it is is unusual or I I've never seen this. Like she talks about these little organisms that are shaped like hands that I think are very, very small and in, in they're in the lettering. So there's some sort of like creature living in the leather, in the lettering that was left by something else. But my point is when she says that we believe her, you know what I mean? Like she's speaking with authority and she's not, it's not just like, she doesn't know. It's like, there isn't anything like this in the known world. Um, and I, she knows enough to to speak on that, you know, emphatically. Um, speaking of thing, yeah, there's also a moment where she, her, and the the surveyor realize that the the lettering is getting like brighter and fresher, and so they start to think that as they're going down, something has been writing this, and they're drawing closer to it. And as that happens, they realize that this is they call it something or the main character calls it something. And, and the, the surveyor says, well, why not someone? And she's like, it couldn't be like, she's got this really strong impression and no real good reason, I guess. Um, except for we find out later a little bit more, but it really it's just this impression she has that it's a thing and not a person that's doing this. So as they're going down, she, uh, the surveyor notices there's some sort of slime on the ground that they're, they've been, like, walking on. It's like this trail leaning down. It's gotten thicker as they've gone lower and lower. And this is something apparently the biologist has been noticing for a while, but was waiting because she didn't know if the surveyor was going to perceive it or not. Um, and this is another sign that they're following something because it's leaving this trail, right? Like, this, like, slimy trail. And I don't know when they do it, but eventually they start calling it the crawler, this unknown thing that they're pursuing. And... I don't know, this this idea of, like, going down farther and farther underground in the darkness and this weird creature that's, like, emitting language for an unknown reason and they're getting closer and closer to it. Like, that it just is, like, a mounting tension that was really cool to me. Like, really affecting.
1: Yeah. You know? I, I agree. It was really tense. And, and as it went on, he took his time, too. Like, it wasn't like it was, like, yeah. it wasn't like it was going to... You didn't, I had no idea when it was going to happen.
0: Yeah. and And so the first thing that happens, like the, the change is they see these, um, boot prints that show that somebody else has been down here and come back up and like stepped in this slime stuff. And I don't know about you, but that totally caught me by surprise. Like what? There's somebody else down here? Like there's some of these weird things. And so they go down further and in this other really cool moment, the surveyor sees something first and reacts and like jumps back and pulls her, pulls our main character away and is clearly really shaken. And I thought it was so affecting because it's like, we don't get to perceive it because we're perceiving things only through the biologist. And so instead we get it relayed. You know sec- like second
1: hand, third hand, whatever. <laughs> like, it's as if it happened to us in real life. So it's like it would, yeah it would it's be the really same cool. thing if like someone pulled you away from something and you didn't see it. you'd be like, holy shit, what what happened? You know what I mean? What happened in there? like what'd you see? And so the surveyor says she saw like a, a shape or a
0: body like slumped against the wall, and um, we're like, could this be the per- you know the thing writing? We don't know. Um, but they go down to investigate, and they're they've been doing this for a while, so they're really deep now. And they both kind of agree before they go into the room that no matter what is in there, this is going to be the last room they go into. And then they're going to head back up and they go down and they find that they find that the anthropologist who was said to have left is actually here. And she is like, I can't, I can't remember. It all. She's like burned. Her face is burned. Her jaws like broken her legs are like fused together. She's slumped against the wall. She has some sort of green ash that spilled out of her mouth and is like piled on her chest. It's really weird. And she's also got all like, these like sample vials around her and like her, um, some of her gear and stuff. Um, and yeah, this really like crazy thing, uh, you know, looking s- scene. And then uh, the surveyor kind of goes to the next set of stairs and is kind of like keeping watch while the biologist inspects the body. And the biologist comes up with this uh, theory about what happened. And she thinks that, because she sees some other boot prints, I think. She thinks that the psychologist came down with the anthropologist last night while they were sleeping. And forced, through suggestion, forced the anthropologist to come up to the crawler, whatever it is, and try and take a sample. And then it got killed and then when she got killed the psychologist like just left and came back you know fled i guess by you know
1: and so it adds another layer of like whatever this thing is it's crazy dangerous right yeah and it's got it's like she's burned and like mutated and like it's just like what could have done that green ash coming out of like what
0: is that even like what is it's so crazy right um and yeah, as they leave, the last thing she notices is that one of the vials has like some sort of dark mass in it, and she's like, "Oh, this is you know." She imagines that it's like a sample that she took at right before she died, and so she collects that sample and takes it with them, and they head back up. They decide to head back up together, and on her way back, the main you know our the main character um, shares with the surveyor that uh, that the psychologist has been hypnotizing them, and it's interesting because the surveyor doesn't believe her at first. And I guess I get that. You know what I mean? Like, like I haven't been hypnotized. What are you talking about? And so it's interesting because it's like her trying to convince her that, that it has, but then like she has no real proof of it other than the weirdness of the situation. Um, And so it seems that now the surveyor is really skeptical of our main character and the psychologist. And they're just like, nobody gets along right now. Everybody's (laughs) very skeptical of each other. Yep. So when they emerge from the tower, finally, um, the psychologist is gone, which is the other thing they totally didn't expect because they all there was also this like real danger of the psychologist being above them and like her being like having basically killed the anthropologist. Like what's going to happen? But she's not there. They come out. She's gone. So they go back to base camp. She's not there either. Um, she's taken a bunch of supplies and guns with her, though, and and left somewhere. At this point, the surveyor says, OK, I'm going to choose to believe you, but I still am not 100 percent on board kind of thing. And over the next little bit, they test their findings. So they've been taking pictures while they were down there, I should say. Um, so they develop their pictures, which they have to do in like a really old, like uh, in like a dark room, tent kind of thing. And um, all the pictures apparently don't come out well. Like they're very blurry and they don't show much of anything. The main character thinks that that's because the walls were like vibrating from this like beating heart thing, and that that caused maybe caused the photos to get, be blurry. But you know, it's it's unclear if that's the truth. That's just what she thinks, you know. Right. Um, and then she tests the sample of uh, she tests a lot of the samples she took first off, which is it shows a bunch of like weird slime and like mysterious s- substances, and and you know, it's very it's everything's like weird and off. <laughs> um, and then she tests that last one, and it comes back as being some sort of brain matter. Um possibly even, like, human brain matter, but she knows that can't be true.
1: So, what did you make of that? Because that was really weird. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. Like, I feel like it had something to do with what was going on with uh, with the anthropologist. Like, I think it was probably her brain matter, maybe? or uh, Her own brain matter? Maybe, but I doubt it. I mean, I guess she she would have had to have bottled it, so it doesn't make any sense unless the creature did it. I don't know. <laughs> um yeah, man. I don't. I mean,
0: uh, the only thing I can come up with. So she even says like it doesn't make sense that the matter, the brain matter, was collected because she would have just swiped at something on the exterior of this thing, of the crawler, um, and for it to come back as brain matter. Like I keep thinking that. Well, later on we learned that a but that like maybe there was a lot more expeditions and a lot more people have died here than has been let on, and I I feel like this thing is some sort of like human composition yeah i started to get and that, that maybe yeah. these are like multiple human brains or something that have been that have like because well, like how else does it know language you know what i mean so exactly e- even though it's kind of nonsensical it does have language that it's writing for some reason and so like I, yeah my theory right now is that it's some sort of weird brain golem creature whatever thing that's being driven by but that's just like i have no real basis for that that's just what I,
1: you know, my, my, my imagination is going wild with it. It could be that like something similar that's happening to our biologist happened to somebody else before, um, you know, and they, this is what you become or the, the, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Um, so the next thing is that they decide, they, they say that their um, our main character is like still gung ho for this mission, by the way, which I think is funny. Like she doesn't want to leave at all. The Surveyor's like, we should probably leave. This this, this The expedition is fucked. She's like, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> well, It's also, it <laughs> um, seems to be
1: like the influence of the place that she's in. Like, if yes. she wants to stay.
0: Yeah, she's feeling this like, like undeniable draw, right? And she wants, she says, either we're going go to go down to the tower tomorrow or we're going to go to the lighthouse, which I don't think I've mentioned yet. But the lighthouse is this thing that is on the map that they can see on the horizon often. And so it's this like touchstone for them. And during the night, she also sees some sort of like weird light. Should up open it? like an orange light in the in the lighthouse? Um, so she has a theory that maybe the psychologist has gone to the lighthouse. So she wants to go to the lighthouse, but the surveyor does not want to go to the lighthouse. And she says, uh, I'll stay here while you go ahead and I'll wait for you. <laughs> um, and uh, the ma- and our bi- the biologist can't convince her to go. So our bi- the biologist heads off you know, on her own. And that's the end of uh, section two here. Yeah, uh, heading off to the to the lighthouse. Pretty wild chapter. A lot of stuff happened. Um... Yeah, I don't know if I call it a chapter as much as like a like a part. I don't know. I've kind of been referring to that, like thinking of it as like part of the novel, but it is it is kind of like a big chapter too. I don't know. The book has a weird form, and I and I think that 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 underlines what I was talking about about kind of making you uncomfortable in like a meta way that there's not like clearly defined chapters, right? Um, I also noticed that there's only page numbers on every other page. And then sometimes, um, there just won't be a page number on like a, on like a, like a first page of a part and stuff. And I feel like that also is like a subconscious thing to kind of fuck with you a little bit. Huh? I hadn't even noticed. I don't know if you get that. I I don't know if I, um, yeah, you probably don't get that in the ebook. That might just be a physical book. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Um, so they, uh, we get a lot of uh, memory and our main character kind of thinking about her life as a biologist and her studies and her relationship with her husband. But plot wise, she goes to this, this village. That's like the halfway point to the, to the tower. And in there she finds these like weird, um, I'm using that word. Um, bizarre, (laughs) (laughs) um, growths. Yeah. It's these growths that that you've probably seen in the trailer. If you've seen it, that look kind of like people, and they're, like, all throughout this village, and she doesn't know what to make of them, um, which is really bizarre and, and off-putting. Off and then she just kind of goes on. She can't do anything about it. She takes some samples, I guess, and that's it. Um, they don't—they're not alive or anything. I mean, other than well, they are alive, but they're, like, plants of some kind. She sees—oh, another weird thing happens. She sees, she sees dolphins surface in this river, and one of them looks at her, and she has this strong impression of it being—having human eyes as it looks at her. <laughs> And then it disappears beneath the water. And that was so creepy to me. Like, I loved it. It was so good. (laughs) She's like, I don't know how to explain it, but it felt like it had human eyes. So um, eventually she reaches the lighthouse. And um, this lighthouse is a war zone. Like, there's all this evidence of battles, like fights going on. Oh, first off, it's also like heavily fortified from the outside. um, With like barbed wire and big walls that have been built up and stuff. And as she go like travels up it, there's all this evidence of people killing each other and just like blood. There's like old bloodstains and um, bullet holes are in like everywhere. And she thinks that all of the different expeditions have like come here to seek refuge because everybody can see it while you're in area X. Um, But it looks like things just don't go well here, right? Like stuff goes to shit here. She, uh, eventually reaches the very top of the lighthouse and discovers and the and you know also this whole time i should say she's really worried that the psychologist is waiting for her there and is going to like shoot at her um but she doesn't end up being there um at the top and she gets to the top and there's no one there and she's like what the hell and then she kind of looks around she finds this um hatch in the floor which she opens up and we get another what the fuck moment because there's this crazy chamber inside the lighthouse that's hidden under this hatch that has a giant heap of old journals and it's described as being like 12 feet tall and 15 feet wide like a gigantic heap of old journals and it's like moldering and wet and like got fungus growing all through it and all this stuff um and it's kind of becoming one with the area um but this is this oh shit moment for her because she realizes that there has been way more people and way more expeditions than she was ever told um which uh, was another big
1: surprise to me really really cool. Definitely didn't see that coming. I guess I guess there's like different. Each number had like a couple of letters worth of missions as well. And like all of these journals have been being collected, obviously, and and anybody who does come back kind of forgets. And oh, um, I, th- I think we've seen the the scene about the husband at this point, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about that,
1: so she she kind of just talks about how she she's sleeping one night when her husband has gone on on an expedition. Um, and she on his expedition on his expedition yeah and to area x and and she like wakes up to hearing noise and like runs out and like he's like in the fridge like rummaging around getting drinking milk and eating food and he doesn't remember anything and and he's just kind of not the same yeah and then they have sex which i thought was interesting too because i I immediately was like oh was that
0: some sort of initial you know transmission of something you know what i mean because he was somehow
1: infected yeah i didn't think about that
0: yeah, I thought of that. I was like, I wonder if she initially got like, because then her, the thing gets into her mind where she decides she wants to do an expedition of her own. Oh, we should talk about what happens with the husband. Right. So this is a big spoiler. Um, I'm sure it's gonna be a big movie spoiler. So you've been warned. <laughs> um, the husband uh, dies uh, of cancer. The, he, he ends up having to go to a facility and he has this amnesia where he, she feels like he never really remembers who he is. Like it's all very distant
1: and he's in this like cl- fog. Yeah, he'd been like a really passionate yeah. guy and very like into everything and then when he came back he was very like dull and and not very excited about things and and kind of like you said like in a fog. Yeah, and then um come to find out he has he he has some
0: sort of cancer and he dies. And every other member of the Mish of the expedition his expedition who all came back similar to him all got cancer and they all end up dying from it. Um, and you know what what happens when when your husband dies from cancer from a bizarre place You decide you want to go there too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because that's what happened with her And that's why I thought maybe she did get like Maybe she got something because like she for like almost inexplicably really wants to go Yeah after this early
1: on early on in the book I think she talks about how like she she's talking about like other people's motivations and she doesn't really care what they are But she doesn't know everybody else's motivations But hers are that like she doesn't really have anything else going on and, like, she wants answers. And she, she really
0: wants to... S- I think she re- is really intrigued by the mystery of her husband and what happened to him. And she, like, the only way to get to the truth of it is to, like, go experience it for herself, I guess.
1: So I, I th- think this is a good sp- point to start talking about some of the, like, overall... Because we're winding down. There's still some more, but... Yeah. Um, th- so it, it's kind of, like, we have to decide whether we think that this, this uh, company that's sending these people in here are they doing something to the well, people well i think it's the government i think it's
0: a branch of the government
1: i forget what it's called yeah, right now but there's a, there's a name for it uh the southern reach oh yeah southern the southern reach, reach. so they yeah. is it that to, like do they not want people to talk about the things that happen in here so they're hypnotizing them and giving them cancer and like all of these things is it something that happened when he was in in area x like th- i think it's like there's some there's some conspiracies going on here I absolutely, I absolutely
0: don't trust the government here. Um, But I think it's more that they don't understand it, but they have little regard for the people they send in. I think the people they send in are being viewed as just um, like tools and and, uh, test specimens to see what happens. And so I think their expeditions are probably given like different sets of parameters, different sets of things they're allowed to do and supposed to do. And then I think it's all about just seeing what happens because they're trying to figure out what the nature of this place is and the secrecy i think is all bound up and they don't they don't want people to find out what they're doing because so many people have died yeah um and yeah i absolutely think that they're every step of the way they're lying because they're trying to manipulate the subjects of these experiments essentially to like go in and, and willfully go in and do and and do some things so that they can try and get what information they can and just observe them and try and figure out what's gonna what's going on with them and like
1: yeah you know i don't know i mean not to mention i think they're very shady yeah not to mention the fact that the psychologist knows way more than she was letting on and she may have been on multiple missions into this place and just based on her her like powers of persuasion and and things that she knows well and it's all very
0: removed too which makes it seem makes it seem like i don't know like you know, they talk about people who are, like, schizophrenic and paranoid, like, believing that the government's after them, and, like, seeing people following them, and and seeing things that aren't there, and if she's having any of those symptoms, they could be manifesting in this way, too, because she's perceiving everything that the Southern Reach has done as being, you know, having ulterior motives and all this stuff. Now, it does seem like the evidence we're given backs that up, but we're also being, giving it through her. So if she's just completely lost her mind and we're just reading the ravings of a lunatic, you know what I mean? Like
1: we're kind of going to believe it too. Cause that's all, the only perception we're getting. Right. And I mean, I buy, I bought and, into most of it. And honestly, I'm, I, I've am i gotten to the point where I'm like, if I was in this, I mean, not, not really, but like in, t- in terms of the story, like I think it's interesting that she's like leaning into this, affinity affinity that she has for this the biological goings-on of this place and that she's like i want to see more of it and where it's going to end up
0: yeah there's i mean she this is another moment where she's looking at this heap of of journals and she talks to the reader and she says like "I, i don't know if you can imagine what it'd be like to to have your like perceptions shattered and 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 realize that you know all these things and then she's like but maybe you can perhaps you can perhaps you're staring at it now And so there's this really cool idea that like maybe we're another expedition that's come after the fact and maybe we found her journal and that's why we're reading it. And she realizes that this is a possibility. So I don't know that stuff like still like it gives me chills. I don't know. It's so cool. Like it's it really draws me personally into the story.
1: Yeah, that's I think it's awesome. I think that's so cool because it does work so well, like you say, and it it adds like a little bit of lore that they don't even need to flesh out. Like it's like we could we are a part of that or I don't know. It's awesome. So so the, with this heap of journals, she digs through it. And I don't know about
0: you, but I totally saw this coming. And then even when it happens, she says it feels inevitable. Um, she ends up finding her husband's journal with his direct account of what happened. But she's unable to read it right now. She like, can't bring herself to read it. Um, she does take it. Um, she also takes uh, several other journals she finds. Um, there's some interesting things that go on. Like there's... I really like the way he describes... Um, she, in every account she reads... There's, like, a mysterious force at work. Kind, of, She describes it as, like, in the spaces between what's being written. And I love it because you can't tell if it's just her losing her mind or her being, like, really perceptive. And she thinks of it as being, like, the crawler and, like, it all being bound up in that. She talks about this, like, one journal where it's just, like, a bunch of observations of this, like, shrubbery or something, <laughs> like, over and over again. and But she feels like it's this, he, that the author of it was trying to focus on something simple to, like, keep out the madness and not, like, think about what's going on. Also, there's this really weird journal entry about being, about them, like, being in the tower, like, under siege, from the from the sea and like there are like some sort of attackers and wildlife or something and um how like members of the party are getting killed and then it says like there are things happening that defy rational explanation <laughs> um and like i don't know it's so cool because like nothing is ever given like a concrete definition it's all just really you know nebulous like what is attacking like what happened here we don't know why did like some people kill each other it seems like i don't know yeah um but yeah so the main thing she finds her husband's journal and she decides she's going to take it and several others and go back to base camp and share them with the surveyor i guess right um and she goes to she goes to leave but before she leaves she decides she's going to go up to the very top level and go out on the edge and like where you can see over all of area x because this is like the best vantage point right and she goes up there and looks around and she's kind of you know appreciating how it all looks and the sun's starting to set Um, which is a little ominous because she even talks about how she wants to get back before sun like fully sets and it's dark out but as she's looking around she looks down at the beach and she sees um a foot and a leg and a boot and realizes that something is down there and she thinks that it's the psychologist's like leg and boot she recognizes the pants or something she's like that's the psychologist but
1: it doesn't appear to be moving and it's like i don't know did like how was it it was something like going on on the beach right yeah i mean that's really all it was and and like this is this is literally where i stopped right is this where you stopped? yeah Yeah. this
0: is the end this is the end of the section like she's like oh shit that's the psychologist and then boom that's it that's the end of the section i'm assuming
1: where we stopped reading there's no way she's dead because there there has to be some sort of i mean i guess she could be be dead (laughs) she could be dead but i just think how, how i just think narratively it'd be way more interesting if she wasn't dead and like like something happened to her or something, but she's still alive.
0: Well, she she could be dead and have like, I don't know, somehow still clues. communicate beyond the grave yeah, kind of thing, like her. like a journal or something that she's able to get like, some sort of hint of what's going on. Sure, but how is she dead? Like, what killed her? It's so hard for us to even speculate. That's the other thing. I was I thought that this was going to be us speculating about what we think is going to happen in the second half, and we should try, I guess. But man, it's going to be tough because. Like I we've I mean we've we've been saying it a lot, but like we don't have a lot to go on.
1: Yeah, everything is so mysterious, you know. Well, and and I feel like the story is better for it because, like we talked about it before, like yeah. the like, the unknown and and the exploration of this story is kind of what what I'm really engaged in.
0: Man, I'm I'm like so excited to read the rest of this novel. Yeah. Um. This this has been a a, a lot of fun for me. Um, when I was talking about like my background and stuff, I, I I think it's the literary nature of this novel. I appreciate it and I like it and I love that it's wrapped up in a story that, to me, at its heart, is a very genre story. Yeah, because it is a very you know, there's it's a it's a team of scientists going into a weird area with like some sort of maybe alien, maybe inner Earth, maybe who knows.
1: Well, exp- you know, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's very genre. Ex- uh, explain to me a little bit how like what makes it more literary than genre in this in this case? It it, a lot of literary a lot of literary stuff. It's so
0: it's a lot of the the slower sections where she's perceiving the world and there's um literature when I speak of literary writing is an attempt to look at the world and life in a new way so that when you read it, you feel like maybe your perceptions have changed and that you you are see, you see something in a new way and it enriches your life in, in like a weird way. And like people can get addicted to this sort of stuff. And if you really love literature, this is what you look for. You want to feel like your life has been changed by reading something and the way you perceive the world has been changed because of this, what you read. Genre is, by comparison, now it can do some of that. And a lot of, you know, and it often does. There's a lot of blurring between the lines. But genre, you know, is maybe a little bit more concerned with telling a story. You know what I mean? With having a plot, with having um things happen. <laughs> you <laughs> gotcha. know what I mean? That's, yeah. you know, and that's the criticism of literary stuff, is that not a lot happens. It tends to be a lot more just like observations about life and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, people may disagree with me on that definition, but when I say the literary quality of this, it's a lot of like her looking at the the environment and looking at the, you know, things and thinking about how, I don't know, like the perceptions of it and, 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 and how it, it, it's, she's seeing like the hidden truth of the universe kind of in the, in the everyday. I, this, I should also say this, this whole book reminds me a lot of true detective. Mm Um, I don't, if you've seen season one, right? Yeah. And that's based off a lot of like similar works that I've referenced with like Lovecraft and, and other stuff like that. Um, and it's not in its philosophy as much as it's um, unknowable kind of like the insanity parts of the true detective stuff, right? Like the unknowable references and, you know, they talk about the King in yellow and that's this whole other thing, like meta text stuff. But um, I won't get into it, but my my point is just that I think somewhere like these two have a similar thing in their DNA. Like if you really like true
1: detective, you are probably going to like this book, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I've, I'm really enjoying it so far, and I cannot wait to finish the rest of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was a little hesitant. Like, I was worried I was going to get on this podcast with you, and you were going to be like, uh, "So, I was excited for this book, but I fucking hate it."
1: Like, honestly, I was a little worried. Um, I, I felt like it could go either way with you. I wasn't sure. So, something interesting with me as far as stories are concerned, I like to see uniqueness. So, like, if it's it, it like, regardless of it's if it's necessarily my cup of tea i i like to think that if if something's new to me something is brought to the table that i've never seen before or like i say is unique um i think that speaks volumes just in terms of like the because i feel like you're you're it's about innovating right so it's like you can't just keep redoing uh, like everybody says like the same however many five stories or whatever make up every story ever and yet like people find so many ways to creatively do something different and and i think even even if i didn't like and i I love this book i really enjoy it but even if i didn't like this book i like to think i would like it just for the sheer fact that it's uh, it's unique i've never read anything like this before and and it's, it's just fun yeah
0: I could, I could get up on a soapbox about that whole thing, but I, I won't because we're running a little long on time. Um, remind me in some other podcast to talk about that, uh, the, the whole idea that, that there's only a certain number of stories that can be told and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, this um, I agree. This book is super unique. Um, the story is really interesting. I, I love the juxtaposition of the tower, quote-unquote, that is actually a hole in the ground, and then the lighthouse, which is another tower-type structure, um, I don't know what that means, but I thought it was really interesting that that's the, our two main locations we've we've seen, right? Yeah, are these two like an inverse and a, and a, and you know what I mean of, of of a tower is essentially what the first place is. Um, I I love the way he blends the atmosphere and the the landscape and everything else seamlessly into the changing perspectives of our main character. Um, and then yeah the paranoia and like how little these characters trust each other and like how quickly they seem to be turning on each other like it's all just really good fascinating stuff And i'm along for the ride i i don't know how this thing's gonna end honestly i it could be an alien it could be some sort of like inner earth thing we don't know anything about the event like what was the event no one you know what i mean like yeah. we don't know i'm interested to find out more about that that is that is true i'm yeah I'm such a sucker for like stories about government, like fucking people and like using them as Guinea pigs and all this stuff too. Yeah. Like I love that part of it too. Cause I feel like the government's being, being super shady on top of an already terrible like place situation. And like, they're just making it worse almost, yeah, you know? Definitely. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. I, I'm really enjoying it. Um,
1: but yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about the, about the first half here. anything else i mean i just i just keep coming back to how excited i am for this movie man like i like i'm loving this book and i'm so excited to to this i think this is going to be an extremely hard when it comes down to picking book or movie this is going to be a tough one i can already tell
0: yeah and i mean like i i can already see how people are going to go like or, or how people when they first heard this movie announced were skeptical you know, yeah. because this, I, I can see how this book is, it's so cerebral. How are you going to convey that on film? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, do you have any thoughts about like how Alice Garland is going to be able to pull that off? Because so much
1: of this stuff is so, well, I mean, like, so in her mind. A lot of what I mean, okay, so he hasn't done all that much. He's, he's, he's been involved in writing, but uh, Ex Machina, I think, was his first directorial role. And um, yeah. I mean, just watching Ex Machina, I can just draw comparisons to this. Like, that's a film that 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 was steeped in, in cerebral. I mean, not quite this. It doesn't go this far. Like this, this is definitely taken taken to the next level. But he he, like, you're. I mean, you're talking about the nature of literature and the way that it's like. It's not necessarily things don't have to be happening all the time. It's like it's like taking yeah. a moment to to you know. Stop and smell the roses, and and kind of like understand what's going on, and like to connect to these people not through the the like, not through dialogue, but through what you perceive them as feeling, and and kind of like letting the story play out, not necessarily just through dialogue, but also through conveyed you know portrayals of the characters and that kind of thing. So anyway, I think that he's gonna. I think that he's gonna do a lot of the same things that he did with Ex Machina for a different genre. This is like, like we say, it's it's like the weird sci-fi, whereas before it was kind of the, you know, AI future, um, kind of what does it mean to be human thing.
0: Yeah. And, and it's interesting how the trailer, I think is almost casting this as more of a horror, but also mixed with sci- like weird sci-fi. Anyway, I think we're, we, we've we got, we've, we've run out of time here before we do our thank yous. I wanted to go ahead and say that I have a short story that's going to be published in Metaphorosis magazine. That is also pretty weird, um, and that's going to come out on March 2nd. So you can look for that, uh, and I think it's free to read. So uh, you should be able to check it out. I just saw the like the cover art for the for the issue, and it's gorgeous. Um, not drawn, you know, for my story, but I think it's fitting. It looks really, it looks really good, and uh, it matches. So
1: I'm really excited about that. I hope you guys all check that out. Yeah, you sent it to me. The cover looks great, and congratulations, man. Really proud of you. Thanks. All right. That's going to be it for us.
0: Uh, if you wanted to connect with us, we are all over social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at ink to film on all three. Um, I'm also on Goodreads. Uh, Luke Elliott, you can find me on there and I'm trying to get James on there. Hopefully he'll be on soon. Sure. Well, uh, I think we're going to start up like a little book club. If you, if you wanted to join um, following along as we read um but yeah reach out connect with us I uh, we'd love to see you on there oh and when we share episodes if you're feeling uh helpful you could go ahead and share our episodes and help spread the word get it out to your friends and people who you think might be interested in the show that would be a huge help to us
1: yeah that would be awesome also if you wanted to leave feedback in any way any sort of comments questions anything you wanted to send our way uh you can send that to ink at gmail.com and we might even read some of your stuff on the air
0: yeah, I'd love to get some takes uh, about this novel and, and, and what you think, um, where you think, you know, did you love it? Did you hate it? Do you think we're, you know, how do you think our, our our reaction has been? And, uh, we just ask that you don't spoil anything just in case we haven't finished it by the time we read that email. Um, but yeah, uh, we'd also love it if you could rate and review our podcast. That continues to be a great way to help us spread the word, um, that and subscribing. Um, but yeah, leave us a review on any number of sites. Um, we got one coming from here to you from Facebook here. Five stars uh, from Jill. She says, loved it. Definitely makes me want to read the book before the movie comes out. Thanks. Uh,
1: perfect review. So something like that would be great. That was a shout out from my mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> All right. And we also just wanted to say thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music. And also thank you to Audible. Um, Again, our Audible affiliate link is audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And with that, you get 30 free days and one free credit for any audiobook in their collection.
0: All right. So that's going to be it for this week. We will be back next week with part four and five and our our, uh, pre-movie expectations. So look forward to that. Uh, We hope you'll join us. Until then, uh, I'm the writer. And I'm the filmmaker. See ya.